Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Wednesday, March 27th. And as you can see, we're in a different room. Welcome into uh, a different room than I've ever been in before. It's uh, I'm a set up in my best friend's basement. Actually, let me get a video of it real quick. I'm home for the week uh, for spring break from college. And uh, this is what the little room setup looks like. The lights, we have TV, there's two cameras in here. It's a mess, but it's also crazy. It's super fun. I'm so excited to be uh, doing it from here today. Um, man, I just want to say real quick, thank you so much. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for all the overwhelming support for the show recently. Um, I, I don't know if you know this. This is my favorite thing in the entire world, and it's really not even close. I, I just love doing it, and um, I'm, so, I'm so grateful that you guys watch, you guys listen, you guys engage. It's, uh, it's so meaningful to me. We have a huge show today. We're going to break down... Former Washington State quarterback Gardner Minshew. We're going to also break down Ryan Fitzpatrick, the new Dolphins quarterback. We're going to talk about the Tom Izzo incident with coaching and yelling at their players, the new pass interference rule. It looks like the Alliance of American Football might be going down in flames. We'll talk about that. A lot of big stuff today. Uh, I want to start, though, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, also, before we go into Ryan Fitzpatrick, there's a movie out right now I really want to see. It's called Us. It's, got, it's by the, Jordan Peele, the guy who made Get Out. Um, I haven't seen it. I want to go see it. Please let me know if you like it, if it's really good, send me a message. I've heard nothing but good things. If you have anything else to add to that conversation, let me know. I really want to go see it. And if you love it and have seen it, please let me know. Let's now talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, <clears throat> Ryan Fitzpatrick just recently signed a new contract with the Miami Dolphins. He's 36 years old. It's a two-year contract with a one-year uh, with an out after one season. He, remember last year he was the back, kind of the backup quarterback with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, it's, it's very interesting, this move, because one, the Dolphins traded away their former quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, and it looks like they could also be drafting a quarterback in this year's NFL draft. Um, I was curious looking at film, what kind of quarterback is Ryan Fitzpatrick? Who is he as a quarterback? Um, you know, he had a roller coaster season in 2018 at times. He was a starter. He was actually named a starter at two points last season. And then also benched at two separate points last season. Very weird, very peculiar. Um, I just, we called it Fitz magic early in the year, but I just was curious what happened that dramatic roller coaster of a season, what caused it? Um, you know, it's very bizarre. And I, I just wanted to, you know, look at film and see what does the film say about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Uh, what happened last year and what kind of quarterback is, are the dolphins getting from Ryan Fitzpatrick? So right off the bat, there are three takeaways I saw on film. Uh, the first one is this, he makes some really good plays. He, there's a throw against the Bengals, uh, where he, his feet are not perfectly lined up. And he still throws an accurate ball over the middle. Uh, people got really, really mad at me when I said that uh, top quarterback and draft prospect Dwayne Haskins struggled with accuracy when his feet weren't perfectly lined up. This right here is an example of that. When Ryan Fitzpatrick's feet aren't perfectly lined up towards his target, he can still throw the ball accurately. It's a must. It's a necessary thing you have to do in the NFL. It drives me nuts that people were mad at me when I criticized Dwayne Haskins for that. Every NFL quarterback needs to do that. Dwayne Haskins cannot. Ryan Fitzpatrick can. He scored some brownie points of me right there. Um, now, he really does have some arm talent. He's got some, got some good throws. It's, his problem is not his ability to throw the football. He's fairly mobile. He can do a really good job moving around. Um, he does a lot of things quite well. What I learned uh, from Ryan Fitzpatrick is his mistakes come from mental errors. And one of the inherent flaws in the way that Ryan Fitzpatrick plays quarterback 
is he really heavily relies on his receivers to help him out and make a lot of big plays. I think the best way to describe this, uh, the, the, the monster three games Ryan Fitzpatrick had to kick off in the 2018 season, he had three games where he was fantastic. Uh, he, he had, what, were, what did the stats say? He had 11 touchdowns, three interceptions, and 1,230 yards passing, 1,230 yards that's Fitch magic. That's crazy. And a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that his wide receivers just made really, really fantastic plays catching the ball. Um, now, this is actually not a strength of his. The fact that he does this, the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick heavily relies on wide receivers is actually not a good thing and not a strength. Uh, because what that means is, and this is obvious, but it's worth saying, when his wide receivers do not make a lot of plays, he doesn't do well. <laughs> he really struggles at times. Um, I know it sounds obvious, but he throws a lot of risky passes. He throws a lot of jump balls. He throws balls that are late with bad timing and into really tight windows. He throws a lot of 50-50 balls, which are throws where there's a 50% chance the wide receiver is going to come down with the ball, and there's a 50% chance that pass is actually intercepted. Now, um, the Buccaneers had some really nice wide receivers. O.J. Howard, Mike Evans, uh, Adam Humphreys, Cameron Brait, Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin, a lot of really good weapons all around. If the guys in Miami with Ryan Fitzpatrick's new team don't make a lot of really big plays at wide receiver, um, Fitzpatrick's not going to do as well. It's really, you're going to see a drop off in numbers. And I think a lot of, again, Ryan Fitzpatrick's meteoric success early in the year last year can just be attributed to the fact that his wide receivers were playing fantastic. Uh, now, he did have, I want to touch on something. Before he got benched, he had a game against the Steelers where he had three touchdowns, three interceptions, kind of blew up the stat line. And uh, I want to go through his three interceptions because they matter and they weren't always necessarily his fault. I want to talk about a little bit the way that struggles from an offensive line standpoint can lead to interceptions and how, yes, it was, of course, somewhat Ryan Fitzpatrick's fault. You can't blame the entirety of the offensive line. That's just not fair. But there were other factors besides Ryan Fitzpatrick's mistake that led to him throwing interceptions. So the first interception he threw was an interception on a ball that got tipped. This one is actually directly the offensive line's fault. Either, either it's an, a, the offensive line made a mistake or Ryan Fitzpatrick did not make a call to the line to tell the offensive line to slide farther to the right and pick up the blitz. Uh, there's a really, really great blitz by the Steelers, and it's really poor communication and ultimately a missed assignment by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Steelers bring a six-man rush. The right tackle here needs to work out. He needs to work his way outside to pick up the blitzing linebacker. He doesn't. The ball gets tipped. The ball's intercepted. Now, his second interception against the Steelers, um, pressure forced Ryan Fitzpatrick to climb up in the pocket. And he, in, in, his, in the process of stepping up and moving up in the pocket, his shoulder points up and the ball sails over the receiver's head and is intercepted. This is a common theme I saw on film. As Ryan Fitzpatrick steps up in the pocket, often, many, many times, his shoulders would point up, his, his shoulders and his body weight would elevate up, and that would lead the ball to go over his target's head and sail above people. That happened many, many times on film. He threw interceptions that way. When Ryan Fitzpatrick climbs in the pocket, he has a habit of narrowing his base, not stepping into his throws, and allowing the ball to sail. Now, the third interception Ryan Fitzpatrick threw against the Steelers, uh, pressure, because of the center missing a block, the center really badly missed a block. He got beat and manhandled. It caused a bad throw and easy pick six. And I think this is an example where it shows that not every interception, not every mistake Ryan Fitzpatrick made last year was necessarily all his fault. Offensive line struggles 
regularly come from either a guy getting badly beaten or an offensive line having poor communication and missing assignments. Uh, in the Steelers game, some of the struggles Ryan Fitzpatrick had early in the year were, I would say this, offensive line struggles played a small part in leading to Fitzpatrick's struggles and ultimately him getting benched. Now, um, through the first three games, Ryan Fitzpatrick played incredible. Again, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions, 1,230 yards. And the reason why he started the first three games of the year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was because their starting quarterback, Jameis Winston, got in trouble. He got suspended for the first three games of the year. Uh, now, because of his really good statistical uh, number, because Fitzpatrick played really well, he got named the starter after week three. So going into week four against the Chicago Bears, Ryan Fitzpatrick was named the indefinite starter. So as long as he's playing well, I think the, the Buccaneers had decided he's going to be the guy and going to play this season. So again, it's, again you got to know this. Week four, he's playing against the Bears. Jameis Winston, the starting quarterback, has been benched because Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing so well. Now, I don't know that the Buccaneers locker room was on board with Ryan Fitzpatrick being named the starting quarterback, the backup becoming the starter. I don't know that the locker room liked this. When I watch what happened um, against the Bears, the Buccaneers wide receivers played really, really terrible. Again, because of the play style that Ryan Fitzpatrick has, he relies on wide receivers to make plays. And... Um, they didn't, and he struggled. He looked really bad because of his play style. He threw a lot of risky passes, a lot of jump balls, uh, and the lack of effort was obvious from his wide receivers. They weren't making big efforts at the ball. They looked checked out of the game. Uh, there were drops. The right guard had a terrible effort, missed a block, leading to a sack. Even Mike Evans. Mike Evans is a highly paid, one of the top wide receivers in the NFL. Not the best, but he's definitely a top-tier wide receiver. He just looked out of it in the in week four against the Bears. It looked like he wasn't engaged in the game at all. Again, I, I have a, a theory here that, you know, the receiver's lack of engagement, lack, the fact that they cared, makes me wonder if it was a silent protest against Ryan Fitzpatrick being their starting quarterback. Maybe the team was actually silently rallying around their, their former starter, Jameis Winston, saying, we want Jameis back. He's healthy. He's, he's not suspended anymore. We know Fitzpatrick did well, but we want Jameis Winston back. That's what it looked like at first. Um, now, <laughs> Jameis Winston didn't come in and do really any better. Um, but here's this, the uh, mistake that sealed the deal for Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was named a starter very briefly. Against the Bears, he threw a really costly interception that led to him being benched the first time this season. It was 3rd and 19. There were 2 minutes and 23 seconds left before halftime. And mind you, it's 35-3. to three. They are playing awful. The Bears are manhandling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the ball's on the 24-yard line, which means that the Buccaneers were in field goal range. The Buccaneers call four hitch routes. That's where you run 12 yards downfield, you turn around, and catch the ball. Now, it's third and 19. You're probably not going to get a first down in this situation. You're just trying to make the field goal a little bit easier, slow things down, make it shorter. If you're a quarterback pre-snap, you count the numbers. You say, okay, there are three defenders on the left, there are three defenders on the right, there's one linebacker short in the middle, and there's a deep safety in the middle over the top. Now, there's a corner on the left side of the field who's sitting really close to the line of scrimmage. He's over top of Deshaun Jackson. I believe that must have scared Ryan Fitzpatrick away from that side of the field because um, the Bears are backed way off. It's really interesting. Instead of trying to move defenders with his eyes, Fitz stares down Mike Evans, and the defense reads his eyes, leading to an easy interception. 
This is a terrible, terrible decision. You cannot do this and get away with it at an NFL level. It's obvious. It's easy. He stares down his wide receiver. You can't throw the ball there if there's a defender sitting right over top of your receiver waiting for the hitch. It's too easy. You can't have that. And Ryan Fitzpatrick does a lot of good things, but throws like that are why he's not an elite quarterback. I'm going to go through a series of reads he makes that are really good. There's an RPO against the Eagles. RPO means run pass option. What you do here is you read the outside linebacker. If the outside linebacker gets depth or stays put, you hand the ball off to give it to your running back, allow him to run for yards. If the linebacker comes up towards line of scrimmage at all, you don't run the ball. You pull the ball away and you throw the slant right behind him. Ryan Fitzpatrick makes a good read here. It's simple. It's easy. Well done. Week one against the Saints, he does another really good thing. It's a, this is a strong area attack concept. It's very simple. You read the flat defender. The flat is an area on the field that's very short to the outside of the field. If the flat defender runs outside, you throw the ball inside to the spot route. He doesn't fly to the flat if he gains depth. Then you read the corner. What does the corner on the outside do? Does he get depth? Or does he sit near the line of scrimmage? If, he, if the corner sits near the line of scrimmage, you throw the corner route behind him. If the corner gets depth and backs off, you throw the out route. It's a very easy read. Here in this situation, the flat defender actually widens. He throws the spot route behind him. Ryan Fitzpatrick can play. He can make all the throws. He's good at reading a defense. He's a veteran quarterback. The problem is far too often he shoots himself in the foot. He regularly makes bad mistakes that you can't make and still be considered a top-level quarterback. That's the difference between the top quarterbacks and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a marginal to average quarterback because of the amount of bad plays you see on film. There's a play against the Panthers. It's the end of the game, and Ryan Fitzpatrick simply gets impatient. He throws the ball up for grabs instead of taking what the defense gives him. This is a prime example. Over and over and over again, you see plays on film where Ryan Fitzpatrick simply doesn't have a lot of discipline. He throws the ball up for grabs. He makes really silly, bad errors. You go, ah, oh, dude, you were doing so well until then. He forces the ball into coverage far too often. Now, he's going to play next year for the Miami Dolphins. In 2019, I guarantee he starts at least one game next year. I mean, a buddy of mine sent me a, a stat last time. My buddy Anthony sent me a stat. He said, Ryan Fitzpatrick has started at least one game in 12 of his 14 seasons in the NFL. But many times on film, he plays well. He's, he's not awful as a quarterback. He looked a lot better than the Buccaneers' other quarterback, Jameis Winston, most of the time I saw them. Here's the problem. Ryan Fitzpatrick's 36 years old. Jameis Winston was 25. The reason why the Buccaneers went with Jameis Winston is because he's 25 years old and he's making $20 million next season. The Dolphins signed a highly flawed quarterback. He throws a lot of risky passes and relies far too often on his wide receivers to save him. He makes a lot of bad plays, a lot of bad plays. It hurts to watch. Here's the thing, though. The Dolphins are going to move the ball. They're going to have some success. They're going to get a lot of yards. And I think the Dolphins are far more interesting now with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback than before when Ryan Tannehill was their quarterback. You know, last year, here, here's what you got to know. This, the final two games for Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2018 say a lot about him as a player. They describe him perfectly. In six quarters, in a game and a half, he had 568 yards, a 66% completion percentage, but zero touchdowns and five interceptions. He was moving the ball incredibly well, but he couldn't finish drives because he kept shooting himself in the foot and making mental errors. Ryan Fitzpatrick can play a little bit. He's not awful. Uh, but hopefully, if you're a Dolphins fan, you are rooting for the Dolphins to either draft somebody or say, we're tanking this year and we're going to get one of the better quarterbacks in the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, because Ryan Fitzpatrick is a duct tape quarterback. 
He works for a little bit, but he's not a long-term solution to the Miami Dolphins problems at the quarterback position. Okay. Um, man, I, I hope I'm getting better at that. I, I, uh, I think my analysis and breakdowns are pretty good right now. I'm, I'm very proud of them, actually. I, I love what I'm doing. But I really want to say this. Give me six more months. Give me six months of improvement and refinement and getting better at this. I think I can make an incredible, amazing product. I think I already do. But man, give me six months of growth. Give me two years of growth. We're going to be at a whole new place. It's going to be fantastic. In fact, I really want to encourage you this. Go watch the very first video I ever made. It's like August 21st, 2017. I was talking about Conor McGregor. Oh, it is just awful. It's a really, really horrible video. If you ever want encouragement or ever feel like you're struggling in life, go watch the first video I ever made for Strong Opinion Sports. It's trash. And if I can get better, so can you, man. I really, um, I, I look back sometimes at where I came from, like, oh, man. My, my philosophy has always been, in order to make something great, you got to start making something bad. You got to just to get started and then get better as you get going. I'm always trying to make small improvements and small adjustments. I know a lot of people get really mad at me about stuff I say online. I don't take it lightly, right? I, I put a lot of thought and care into what I say. Um, but I, I really promise I, I'm always trying to make this a better product. I'm always trying to innovate and make it a little better every single episode. Uh, and if you're frustrated or whatever, I don't know. Not a lot of people are. A lot of people are giving me a lot of love. But if for any reason you're ever frustrated with the show, do you know I'm listening? I'm doing the best I can. And I, I, you know, I love doing strong opinion sports. That's my favorite thing in the world. And I'm always trying to get a little better every single week. Let's now shift gears to this. Adam Schefter reported yesterday that the Giants are not interested in drafting quarterback out of Ohio State, Dwayne Haskins. The report said the Giants would much rather draft Daniel Jones or Will Greer later in the draft than spending the number six overall pick on Dwayne Haskins. Now, uh, you have to acknowledge this could be a complete lie. It's very possible the Giants are intentionally laying out a misdirection so that teams don't move ahead of them in the draft and pick the quarterback they want. However, I doubt that. I don't think it's true. I think here's what I believe about the Giants. I believe the Giants like Eli Manning. They believe he's okay, and they think they have bigger problems to solve than the quarterback position. Plus, again, Adam Schefter, if he reports it, he's rarely wrong. Adam Schefter usually gets things right. So, um, if the Giants do not want Dwayne Haskins, the question now is, who is going to draft Dwayne Haskins? A buddy of mine, Christian, DM'd me on Instagram yesterday and asking what I thought of the prospect of the Bengals drafting Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I thought it was really, really interesting. Uh, super fascinating idea. First of all, it's this. An Ohio State quarterback going to Cincinnati, Ohio to play football. That's that's really cool. A lot of fans would rally around that and be very excited about that. Uh, plus, another another really good thing about this move would be that if the, Dolph- if the Bengals drafted Dwayne Haskins, they already have a quarterback, Andy Dalton, on their roster. It would allow Dwayne Haskins time to sit, develop, and learn how to be a better quarterback. But it brings up the question, what do the Bengals believe of their current quarterback, Andy Dalton? Do they like him or not? Uh, the Bengals hired a new head coach, Zach Taylor. He's supposed to be like a, an offensive and quarterback whiz. He Remember, he worked with Rams head coach Sean McVay for a couple years. The question really is, did the Bengals hire Zach Taylor to improve and get better production out of Andy Dalton, or are they bringing in Zach Taylor to draft a new quarterback and just completely reboot the franchise? It seems like if you look at Andy Dalton, if you look at Zach Taylor, it looks like they're a good match. It looks like Zach Taylor could do for Andy Dalton what Sean McVay did for Kirk Cousins with the Redskins and what Kyle Shanahan did for Matt Ryan with the Falcons. He could massively improve the numbers. And remember, Matt Ryan became an MVP candidate when he had a good offensive coach 
a good offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan, uh, good coaching could really, really help Andy Dalton improve as a quarterback. So I'm really curious to see what do the Bengals do? Do the Bengals draft Dwayne Haskins if they're given the chance? I don't know. I think it's a very fascinating, really curious idea. And it does certainly play a factor. He's a quarterback from Ohio State. The Bengals could get a quarterback from Ohio State that their fan base probably already really likes. That would be a really, really smart move. It would get them a lot of a lot of love, I would think, in the area in Ohio. Um, so I don't know. I think the Bengals have the number 11 overall pick. Their head coach, Zach Taylor, just said, anything's on the table. That's a real storyline I want to watch. With the 11th overall pick, would the Cincinnati Bengals make a move and draft quarterback Dwayne Haskins? That is what I am so curious to watch. And one of the many storylines I'm excited to watch coming up in the NFL draft in a couple weeks. Okay, um... This one's exciting. This is a really, really cool story we're about to do. <clears throat> um, this next segment is sponsored by CougarSportsNetwork.com. Uh, their motto is no paywalls, no pop-ups, no clickbait, and no affiliation. Just 100% independent sports writing and coverage of the Washington State Cougars. Uh, look, on a personal note, their founder, Andrew Bartline, is a uh, friend of mine. They're great people. They do really good work. I am, of course, proud to champion them. They're a really good product. Uh, and, and I really respect what they do. So again, go check them out, cougarsportsnetwork.com. They are a really, really reputable website. Okay, uh, let's talk about former Washington State quarterback Gardner Minshew. Uh, I was watching, this film analysis was an emotional one for me. I was watching Gardner Minshew's film, and I just realized, I, I felt like a fan. I really felt emotional watching it. I've met the guy before. I operated a camera for a Pac-12 network show, Pac-12 After Dark. I met him on the set. Um, I was on the sidelines working for Washington State for the last two years, uh, working for sports networks, filming Washington State games. Um, I watched Gardner Minshew play live a lot. And in fact, if you know my personal journey, I transferred out of Washington State. I transferred, uh, I changed my whole plan in college. After four years off of college football, I went back to the game and I'm playing college football again. Um, I play at a small school in the state of Washington. I do that. I did that because I was inspired by Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew Really, really, the way he played, the way he carried himself, the joy he played with, the way he led his team, um, it, it spoke to me. I model my game as a quarterback heavily after the way Gardner Minshew plays. Uh, you know, my favorite college quarterbacks of all time are Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is a special person and a special quarterback to me. And I have to acknowledge that. You know, it just, this is a, I'm biased here. Um, and it was just a, a really emotional to watch. And you know, if Gardner Minshew ever saw this video, I would want to tell him, man, um, you know, thank you so much for being yourself. Thank you for encouraging me and inspiring me as a player. Uh, I just really, really, uh, Gardner Minshew's had a huge impact on my life and I had to acknowledge that before I make this video. Uh, and, and I was really, again, it was heavy for me watching film because I really, really love and respect the guy. Now, uh, here's what I love the most and what I respect the most about Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is not a highly skilled player. It's what I respect about him so much. In college, he maximized his opportunity because uh, he's a guy who makes really good reads. He makes superb decisions. He's got a lot of good throws in his repertoire. Um, there's a play against Utah where he absolutely manipulates the safeties, and it's something I find so cool. He gives a subtle shoulder fake. He moves the safety where he wants him and throws the ball and creates a throwing lane. He created a throwing lane by moving his shoulder. That is next-level stuff, and it's really cool to watch. He's also incredible at extending plays. You know, young quarterbacks should study and watch what Gardner Minshew did at Washington State. He rarely ran the ball to get rushing yards, but he ran the ball and extended plays, keeping his eyes downfield, looking always to throw. I'm convinced 
Of all the quarterbacks in college football last year, the two that were best at extending plays and keeping plays alive were Kyler Murray and actually Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew was fantastic. And I think, honestly, there are some things that Kyler Murray could have learned by watching Gardner Minshew about staying in the pocket and keeping plays alive and keeping your eyes downfield. Gardner Minshew is a special, special player when it comes to improvisation. I mean, it's fun to watch the way he carries himself and the way he plays. Um, Here's what he needs to work on. He severely limits his ability to throw the ball downfield because of his mechanics. He really doesn't use his legs when he throws at all. Uh, NFL scouts will have two main complaints about him. One of them is silly. One of them I think is very valid. The number one complaint NFL evaluators will have about Gardner Minshew is they will say, well, he played in Mike Leach's air raid offense. And in some ways, that's a fair complaint, right? You can say that, you know, uh, a lot of times Gardner Minshew ran plays at Washington State that will not translate well to the NFL. The prime example of the offense not preparing him for the NFL, uh, in, in Washington State, he had often running backs flaring out wide to the flats. The flat is the short outside area of the field. He threw the running backs a lot on plays like this, and he will not have options like that in the NFL. That's not an NFL read and not something he will have the luxury of at the next level. He also never played under center. But here's what's silly to me about the, oh, he played in the air raid offense. Here's why I don't understand it. Patrick Mahomes was the NFL MVP last year in 2018. In college, guess what he did? He played in the air raid offense. So I don't think it's, I think it's really not, doesn't matter. If you can play quarterback, you can play quarterback. And Gardner Minshew does a lot of stuff that I look and go, oh, that's a really high level play from a really solid quarterback. Um, Gardner Minshew is not getting the most out of his body. This is the number two concern that NFL evaluators will have. It's his arm strength. He doesn't drive the ball downfield as well as other quarterbacks. And he's really holding himself back. His throwing motion is all arm. He doesn't use his legs. His base is really wide in the pocket. And he's not able to use his legs to drive the ball downfield. There's a throw against Stanford that really illustrates this. Jameer Calvin beats everybody deep. He beats everybody over the top. But Gardner Minshew underthrows the ball. I've shaken hands with Gardner Minshew. I know this is not a strength problem. The reason why Gardner Minshew doesn't have an extremely strong arm is because of his mechanics. It's the way he throws the ball. Gardner Minshew is very similar to Baker Mayfield as an athlete, but the difference is the prime difference between Baker Mayfield and Gardner Minshew is Baker Mayfield uses his legs when he throws the football. If Gardner Minshew just slightly narrows his feet and uses his legs to drive the ball downfield, Similar to the way actually baseball players use their hips when they hit a baseball. If Gardner Minshew starts using his legs, he could really surprise people when he makes a jump to the NFL. Now, the ability to play quarterback at a high level is there. When I watch Gardner Minshew on tape, I go, ooh, that's excited. He holds himself back physically a lot. But I mean, there's a throw against USC where he throws a post with pressure in his face. That is a fantastic play. That's a strike. That is a quarterback I want to play with on my team. Now, there's a play against Utah where you see some of his physical abilities limit him, even though he makes the right read and does the right thing. Gardner Minshew does a great job recognizing Utah blitzing. The linebacker blitzes, and Gardner Minshew throws the ball where the linebacker came from. If you're a quarterback, one of the number one things young quarterbacks need to know is if you have a guy blitzing you, replace him with the ball. Throw where that guy came from, because if the guy's leaving an area, it leaves an open zone. This is an incompletion because he just kind of flicks the ball over the middle. He doesn't finish the ball with his arm. He leaves his hand up, and he doesn't use his legs to drive the ball downfield. Small mechanical flaws are keeping a lot of people from paying close attention to Gardner Minshew, and it's sad. Uh, I think the concerns about 
playing in an air raid offense are just silly. I mean, he played for, so did Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, I've said it before, played in an air raid offense in college. That's not a valid concern. What is a valid concern is Gardner Minshew's mechanics, and that's what's sad. People are missing out on some really good quarterback play because they don't see the ball driven downfield well enough. They see a ball that goes up and down when he tries to drive it downfield. Uh, If I'm the New England Patriots, I would draft either Gardner Minshew or Will Greer. I think there's too much good about both players to ignore them and not draft them. Uh, And I really think, who knows? I mean, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, they did not have great mechanics in college, but they improved in the NFL and developed a lot more arm strength. I really think if you give Gardner Minshew time behind Tom Brady or a Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers, he could surprise people and do a lot of things right. Um, Also, look, here's a quality people tend to overlook that I think really matters that Gardner Minshew has for sure. Gardner Minshew is great for the locker room. I've been around him. I've met him. If you bring him in, your culture improves instantly. He gets it. He'd really help the starter. If he's the backup quarterback, he's going to serve and be good for that locker room. He'll do a lot in the film room. I think Gardner Minshew is valuable to your team for more reasons than just can he play quarterback or not. He can bring a lot of value to a locker room because of his attitude and because of who he is. Um, Now, it's all there. The ability he has to extend plays are fantastic. The decision-making is top-notch. He makes mistakes for sure. I'm not saying he doesn't. Um, But most college quarterbacks can't do what he does, which is read from one side of the field all the way across to the other. Regularly, he throws to his fourth or his fifth option. That's high-level stuff. That's something that even top quarterback prospect Drew Locke had a hard time with. Drew Locke regularly struggled to get to his fourth and his fifth reads. And so what I see on tape is Gardner Minshew is a quarterback who in many ways, mentally, is farther ahead of the other quarterbacks in the 2019 NFL draft. I really believe he has a chance to make it in the NFL. If he's given a good head coach and improves his mechanics, you could see something special from Gardner Minshew down the road in the NFL. Now, remember, um, I really I say this every single episode. If you're struggling, please, please, please get help. Um, this is a, a topic that matters a lot to me. The suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Uh, my brother committed suicide. It was awful. It was, uh, I know I'm, I feel like I'm saying this too flippantly, but, uh, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. It, it really, really sucked. Um, and I, and I want to say this every episode on my podcast. If you're struggling, please go get help. My brother never shared his struggles with anybody. Nobody knew he was going through anything. Um, and he just, I, one time one day I came home and he was dead in his room. So please don't be like that. Please. If you're struggling, go talk to somebody, go get help. I don't want suicide to continue to be a problem in, uh, in, in really in the world at all. Um, and it's, it's a, a tough subject for me that I really, really am passionate about. I heard a song recently. It's a comforting song. It's by Quinn XCII. Um, life must go on. And the lyrics say this, whether you're high, whether you're low, you got to keep on being part of the show. Life must go on. Um, that if I can spread any message with strong opinion sports, it's this, if you're struggling, please, please, please Go get help. Go talk to a professional. Tell one of your friends. Do not keep your struggles a secret. It's a big deal to me. I lost my brother to suicide. And if you're struggling, please go get help. Um, Okay, Uh, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we will talk about Tom Izzo. I know I'm a little bit late to the party, but I'm a college athlete. I have something to say about yelling at your players. I want to talk about that. We will talk about the new pass interference rule, rule in the NFL. We'll celebrate Rob Gronkowski. We'll talk about the Packers free agency. And uh, I have an announcement next. I have a cool announcement. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some common questions and concerns people have with strong opinion sports. Good stuff ahead. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. 
Um, I want to briefly touch on something that irritates me to no end. Um, it's a, uh, a lot of people commented on the Will Greer video. They said, Will Greer has a lot of arm strength. Look at the velocity numbers. And they cited a list. I found it online. It's a list saying that Will Greer had a peak mile per hour ball speed at the NFL Combine. Something like that. Look, uh, it's a silly list. I don't care. Uh, here's the list. I, as I'm looking at it, I see Will Greer had a 59 mile per hour uh, ability to throw the football. So did Brett Rippon. Uh, late, later down the list, Drew Locke only threw 54 miles an hour. Dwayne Haskins threw 52 miles an hour. Tyree Jackson also threw 54 miles an hour. I just don't care about any of these numbers. It's very silly and doesn't matter to me. Will Greer, of course, had a really high velocity. He was trying to show he could throw the ball really hard and really fast. Guys like Tyree Jackson and Drew Locke were trying to show, hey, we have accuracy. We, we, everyone knows we have a strong arm. Let's show our ability to throw the ball accurately. And again, I don't think this matters. Jordan Tuamu, Clayton Thorson, Nick Fitzgerald, Will Graham, Brett Ripper are the top six quarterbacks, top five, five, one, two, three, four, five. The top five quarterbacks on those lists, Will Greer, Brett Rippon, Clayton Thorson, Nick Fitzgerald, and Jordan Ta'amu. You're telling me those guys have stronger arms than Drew Locke and Tyree Jackson? I'm sorry. Despite what some miles per hour indicator said at the combine, that's just not factual based on the film. Congratulations. When you put a radar on a guy at a combine, he threw the ball fast. That's all that means. It doesn't mean on film he can lace the ball up on a line, 35 yards, into a tight window. Gardner Minshew has supposedly a stronger arm, according to this metric, than Drew Locke. That's factually incorrect. That's just not true. This, this stupid list is not a good indicator of what shows arm strength. And the p- fact that people keep sending me this list irritates me to no end. It's not a good measurement of arm strength. All it shows is the fast miles per hour you can throw the football. Again, I'm sorry. I'm starting to get all heated and angry. I just had so many comments. Will Greer threw the ball 59 miles an hour. Congratulations. It doesn't matter. When I watch film, I don't see a guy who can drive the ball 40 yards on a line into a tight window. I see Drew Locke. I don't even love Drew Locke, but Drew Locke can do that. Drew Locke can make throws that Will Greer and Gardner Minshew cannot make, even though according to this list, it would appear that they have a stronger arm than Drew Locke. Numbers are not everything. Please use your brains, not just what you see on the internet. It drives me nuts, and it really, really, uh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I got to tone it down. It irritates me to no end that people keep sending me these statistics that just are not relevant to how strong your arm is. All it shows is you can throw the ball really fast at a high mile per hour at the combine when a guy has a radar gun on you. Okay, I'm done with this. I am done. I'm sorry for the rant. It just irritates me. Um, I got to calm down. I want to shift to this. (laughs) I lost it. I freaking lost it. I'm so sorry. I always preach like, don't be emotional. Don't rant. I did it. I, I admit, I acknowledge, I just ranted about something. I guess I could cut it, um, but maybe it's funny too. Like maybe, I don't know. I don't, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. I'll deal with the consequences. I did it. It happened. Let's now shift gears to Michigan State uh, basketball. So Michigan State head basketball coach Tom Izzo was seen yelling at one of his athletes, one of his basketball players at the NCAA tournament. He was yelling at Aaron Henry. And uh, Twitter took this and ran with it. They freaked out. Everybody on Twitter went, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing ever. And you know, this is part of why I'm not on Twitter is all the extreme overreactions. Um, one of the ones I saw was something that said, something along the lines of, I can't wait till this generation of coaches moves on and retires and nobody yells at their players ever again. Uh, yikes. I, that, that's not a, I don't think that's a really good opinion at all. 
Um, I like I, I play college football. I'm a college athlete. I play quarterback in college. I've been an athlete my entire life. I've been yelled at a lot. Sometimes I was okay with it. Sometimes I've not been okay with it. Um, and here's the difference. Here's what makes it okay and what makes it not okay. When I was younger, uh, I was way more immature, by the way. When I was a senior in high school, I was an immature, dumb kid. But I, I had a new quarterback coach. And he would rail into me. I got a new coach. It was our first time working together. He would yell at me and scream at me, and I did not like it. Honestly, I, I felt like we didn't have a good enough relationship where he could do that to me yet, right? It was, it was our first time working together, and it made me really angry. I didn't handle it well. And what I didn't, what I didn't see at the time when he was yelling at me was that um, where he was coming from, that he cared about me. What I didn't understand that you know, we didn't have a good enough rapport yet where he could do that, and I didn't think he hated me or something. Um, he had high expectations of me, though. He didn't hate me. He cared about me. I know that now. He sends me messages. We're good friends. The guy loved me as a quarterback. He had high expectations. I was my school's all-time leading passer. Of course, he's going to demand a lot of good stuff from me. Uh, now, I'm in college. I play quarterback in college, uh, and I'm really, really close with my quarterback coach. He's a great guy. Uh, I love and respect him. He can yell at me any day he wants. My quarterback coach in college, he is, I'm free for him to yell at me anytime he wants. Um, everyone's judging Tom Izzo for yelling at his player. And uh, you don't know the relationship. You're just not, you're not Aaron Henry and you're not Tom Izzo. Uh, when my coach yells at me, I know where it comes from. I know it comes from a place of love. My coach believes in me. My coach has high expectations for me. He's holding me to a high standard. A buddy of mine got married recently. I'm oh, sorry. Well, a buddy of mine is married. I was talking to him recently. Uh, he's been married for over 20 years. He came over to our house last night. Um, his wife went on a three week trip and people around him at the gym were all concerned. People at the gym were like, Oh no, don't you realize that's how marriage, that's how divorces happen. You can't let her go on a vacation by herself. And, uh, my buddy who's married, he's been married for over 20 years was like, no offense, but you don't know anything about my relationship. He said, my marriage is great. She wanted to go on a trip and uh, we live our own lives. It's all good. Everything's happy. And the point is this, if you're not in a relationship, how can you speak to it? If you don't know anything about it? You don't know the relationship between Tom Izzo, his players, and his coaches. And you got to be very, very careful when you're speaking into a relationship that you don't know and that you're not in. Um, the Michigan State basketball players did not seem phased by Tom Izzo yelling at his players. In fact, some of the players have defended their coach. And so I don't think this story is about yelling. At the end of the day, the question becomes, does Tom Izzo care about his players? Yeah, it seems like Tom Izzo likes and really cares about his players. And at the end of the day, does it seem like his players like and care about him? Yeah, again, I would say yes. And so it, Tom Izzo seems like a good guy, and it seems like people are making a really big stink out of a whole lot of nothing. If you have never been yelled at, I, I guess, I, actually, I, would, I, I don't know. You don't have to yell at a player to get their attention and to hold them to a standard. But if that's your style and you, it works, you have good rapport with your players and it doesn't damage your relationship, like if you've earned the right to yell at your guys and they know where you're coming from, I, there's no problem with yelling. And you can't make a, a golden rule that says you can't do this because everyone has their own style and you have to judge everybody individually. And in this instance, when I look at Tom Izzo yelling at his player, was he angry? Was he probably way too angry? Yes. Did it seem to damage their team? No. They made it to the Sweet 16. They're fine. And so I, I really think people overreacted to this story of Tom Izzo yelling. I don't want to spend any more time on it, but I just, I'm an athlete. I've been yelled at. Sometimes it bothered me because the coach didn't have my respect and my rapport and, and a relationship with me where he could do that. But sometimes when a coach yells at you, it's okay. I know where you're coming from. I know it's because you love me and it doesn't matter. And in this case, it seemed like the latter where Tom Izzo yelled at his player 
and it wasn't actually a big deal. Someone on the outside made a judgment and they're not in that relationship. So, um, yeah, I just don't think it's a big deal that Tom Izzo yelled at his players. All right. Uh, I want to shift gears now. Um, I, I get six common questions and complaints about my show. I want to talk about them real quick. Uh, the six things are my style, the fact I don't use Twitter, uh, the room I record in, the shirt I wear during my podcast, uh, video clips that I don't put out on the internet, and uh, college. And I want to address all of them briefly and talk about them. The first thing I want to do is talk about my shirt. Uh, you may have noticed I wear the same shirt every single episode. And uh, to, to understand that, you got to just know who I am. I, I like simplicity. I wear the same pants every single day. I have five pairs of the same pants. That's who I am. It's what I do. It's what I like to do. And um, I like to keep things simple. It makes it easy for me. I don't want to worry about what I'm wearing on the podcast every single day. That's not one of the concerns I want to do. This shirt is something I consider to be my work uniform. I wear it every single day on the podcast. And I never have to think about, hmm, which shirt am I going to wear on today's show? Because I can spend my time worrying about watching film, writing the show, preparing the show. I don't want to spend time worrying about my wardrobe. Therefore, I wear the same shirt every single day. And, and I really like doing that. That's, that's my style. I want to have a better shirt someday that I design and allow my name tag on it. And the joke can be that it's my work uniform. But for now, we're not there. And uh, this is the shirt I wear. And that's, that's why. Uh, I'm also, I'm here for spring break. I'm in a different room than I normally record in. But often people are very, very upset about the room I record the podcast in. They say they don't like the white wall behind me. It makes them upset. Um, look, someday I'm going to have a big studio. I'm very excited for that. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, but for now, I'm a college student. You know, I make videos out of my dorm room, and uh, that's not going to change anytime soon. So I, I just wanted to say, you know, I I, I I like where I record, and I'm not going to change that anytime soon. I will also, it's worth noting, I hate green screens. A lot of people comment, you should get a green screen. Um, no, <laughs> uh, I don't like them. I think they look really, really unprofessional, especially on YouTube. It's hard to make a green screen look really good, and I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to worry about that at all. Um, I've, you may or may not know, I've worked on a really, really lot amount of TV shows. I worked for ESPN's college game day. I've been on set for ESPN's college game day, shooting TV shows. I've worked for Pac-12 network, filming television shows. I've worked for tap out films, a tap out the clothing brand. I worked for their company. I've been on a lot of big sets in my life and I've seen what I believe is the model I want to follow. And I really think an authentic real set with actual wood and actual things behind you is way better and way more valuable than a green screen. I don't like green screens, and I really like what a real set looks like. Uh, so someday, someday we will have that. We don't have it yet. I'm a college student. I make videos out of my dorm. Uh, but give me time. Give me patience. Eventually, someday we'll have a really cool set, and it'll be fantastic. And it's also worth noting, in the summer, if you like this room, you're at your, your congratulations. In the summer, I'm going to record every video in this room, and it'll be fantastic. Uh, Twitter. <laughs> um uh, how do I say this nicely? Um, please stop telling me to use Twitter. Um, I'm not currently using Twitter. I don't, I'm not a big fan of Twitter. Uh, there's a lot of angry mob mentality on Twitter that makes me very, very uncomfortable. And if you love it, if you love Twitter, uh, I, I don't care. I mean, that, that's, I really, really am happy for you. I, I'm, I really, actually, if you want, it would be a, a big, big help if you would share Strong Opinion Sports on Twitter by sharing links. It would really benefit me. It would help the show. Um, but I'm not going to use Twitter. I, I don't, I don't like Twitter. I don't like the mob mentality. It's not who I am. I do strong opinion sports is on Instagram. You can follow strong opinion sports on Instagram at strong opinion sports. It's my account. It's very clear. I tag myself. There's my Instagram story is on that. It's hard to fake that if you're me. 
Um, and uh, I also use my personal Instagram, at Zach Schaumler. Instagram is my favorite social media. I don't like social media very much, but I love Instagram. Also, we're noting Strong Opinion Sports is on Facebook. Uh, Facebook at Strong Opinion Sports. Admittedly, I don't use it very often, but I do use it more than Twitter. But back to Instagram. Instagram is my favorite social media website. I love it. I share very heavily on my personal at Zach Schaumler page. I share a lot of who I am on my uh, Instagram stories. I love sharing. You can read detailed posts about my brother dying, about playing college football again, about this, about that. I share a lot of who I am on Instagram. If you want to follow my personal journey, check it out. Follow me on Instagram. Um, Another thing people say is they want me to post video clips on social media. Uh, I'm not going to do that right now. Uh, Someday I will. Someday I will hire someone who I have a professional relationship with that will do all kinds of helpful things like that. But right now my time is taken up by three things. I am a full-time college student. I play college football and I do my podcast. My podcast is a lot of my time. People don't realize it's a full-time job the way I do it and do my podcast. Um, so again, thank you so much. The people who offer to help me with social media. Thank you. I, I, it means a lot. I'm very grateful. I'm not, I don't take it lightly. I really appreciate all the offers. Um, but when I hire someone, eventually it will be someone I know, someone who I have built a professional relationship with, someone I interview and go through an interview process with and get to know them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I would put it the same way you wouldn't hire a stranger to babysit your kids. I'm not going to hire a stranger to do my social media uh, or help me edit clips of my show. It's just, I, I don't want to do that. Um, and I really, you know, it could be a great stranger. Strangers sometimes are really great resumes. They look great. They have awesome stuff. But if I don't know you, I don't, I'm not going to hire you to work with me on social media. Um, another thing people often complain about on strong opinion sports, they don't like the fact that I look at my notes. Um, I like my style. I like how I do it. Uh, my show is not scripted. I'm not reading a teleprompter. Um, but I'm also not just winging it. There's a kind of a middle ground between winging it and saying, going off in a direction with no, no intent and reading a heavily scripted show, like a teleprompter. I kind of find a middle ground where I have a couple of phrases. I want to be very intentional uh, with my words. It's very, very important to me to be to be intentional with my words, to know what I'm going to say and to uh, use the phrasing I want to phrase. Cause I, I just, that's the product I want to put out. That's who I am. And I want to be very intentional with the word choice I use. Uh, the final thing is this. Um, thank you so much to all the, a lot of people have encouraged me to drop out of college and uh, do strong opinion sports more. And um, I'm so grateful for that. I, I really appreciate the thought. It's very meaningful to me. Um, but um, I, I, I really, I don't think he, I, here's the deal. Uh, um, you may know, I love, I love football. It's my favorite thing in the entire world. Um, and I made a crazy move a couple months ago. I transferred colleges. I changed my entire plan after four years off of football. I'm playing college football again. I, I healed, my brother died. I healed from that. And now once again, I'm pursuing my passion and dream of playing college football. Uh, you know, 22 years old, I, I changed everything. I followed my heart and, and went for it. And, um, you know, my dad's 50 years old. My dad could go back to college. My dad could not go back and play college football. It's too late for him. And so this is really the only time in my life, the only window of opportunity I will have uh, where I can be a part of a team and play college football. And I might even get to play. Like if I work really hard, I might even get onto the field. And so I'm not going to miss out on that opportunity. I love football. And when my time being on a team and playing is over, at that point, I will transition my life. And all the way I'll be involved in football after playing will be doing strong opinion sports. It's my favorite thing. Um, but in the meantime, look, I have, I have three years of eligibility left. Um, I, and I really hope people hang in there with me for a while while I follow my heart and let my football career play out. Cause I, I love playing football. 
And uh, last thing, please, um, uh, a lot of people compare me to the guy from University of Central Florida. They say that guy made money, got in trouble. Uh, his, I think his name is Destroying. I'm not that guy. I play at a different, lower level of college football. I'm not, I'm not a D1 athlete. I'm not on scholarship. I pay for school. I took out loans to pay for my school. Uh, and, and I, therefore I, at my level of football, you can have a job like everybody else. This is my job. Uh, unlike some people, their job is to work at a car wash. Some people, their job is to make work at a moving company or a movie theater. My job happens to be making videos on the internet. Um, and I just wanted to clarify, I'm not the guy from university of central Florida. It's not a big deal. I've talked to my coaches. I've talked to my school. I've been given permission to do my podcast. And uh, those are a lot of common questions and concerns people have about strong opinion sports. I just wanted to put it out there because I don't know if it's clear and I wanted to very, I wanted to clarify kind of what's going on and clarify some of the common questions and concerns people have about strong opinion sports. Now, um, also, um, I've repeatedly had many, many people ask for a, for me to give them an avenue so they can donate money to strong opinion sports. And first of all, that's super meaningful to me. I, I, it would be a, it would make a huge impact to get a little bit of money for strong opinion sports would make a huge impact on my life. And so I, I listened to people. I made a PayPal, paypal.me forward slash Zach Shomler. I also made a Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. Um, I want to be very, very crystal clear though. Uh, if you have no money to give, it's not a problem to me. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome here in strong opinion sports. I love everybody being involved. And, and I, don't, I don't care if you have money to give. Great. If you don't, that's okay too. Um, really, if you want to help me, the way you can make a huge impact on strong opinion sports is by helping me grow by telling your friends about this podcast. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Just help me grow by telling your friends about strong opinion sports. Share it on Facebook, Twitter. Screenshot it. Put it on Instagram. Maybe if you're on Reddit, like whatever corner of the internet you're on, help me grow by telling your friends about it on that platform. Reddit would be huge. I don't know what other stuff there's out there, but if you can share strong opinion sports with people you know, it would really help me grow and make a huge impact. Uh, now, um, a lot of people want to send me money. It's it's really meaningful. If you want to help me that way, if you want to donate to strong opinion sports, um, that would be a huge deal. You can donate to PayPal. You can donate to Patreon. Here's what I'm going to do with that money. I want to be very. I want you guys to know so you know what you're spending money on. Uh, the baseline is this: I need gas money. Like <laughs> I'm a broke college student. At the bare minimum, I need money for gas so I can get to and from places and uh, live as a human. Uh, I'm a broke college kid. Now, during the summer, I work at a car wash. I work seven hours a day, uh, about five, six days a week at a car wash. And then when I get off of work, I go home, I do research, I write the podcast, and I put it out and write, write, record the podcast. So I'm either at work or when I'm not at work, I'm doing strong opinion sports. Um, Any money I get that goes beyond gas money. So gas money is the baseline. Any money beyond that, I would use to offset my hours working at the car wash. If I could work less at the car wash, maybe two days a week and maybe shorter shifts, uh, that would be a huge deal to me because I could use the extra time and make more strong opinion sports videos and make better strong opinion sports videos. If I could work zero hours at the car wash, oh my gosh, uh, that'd be a huge, huge deal to me. It would make a huge impact on my life. It would blow my mind. And so to not have to work a minimum wage job and get to make videos all day as my job, that would be, uh, that'd be huge. It'd make a huge impact on me. The third thing I would do is this. So the bottom line, I need gas money. Then we need money to offset the car wash. Any money after that, what I would use. The third thing I would do with the money, um, I'm ready to start gathering a little bit of seed money and put some merchandise together. Uh, Really good, professional merchandise, nice shirts, hats, mugs, stickers, some pants I want to make. 
I want to make really nice merchandise stuff, clothing that I would wear and I want to sell to you guys, but it's clothing that I, I believe in and think is really good, high quality stuff that I would wear every single day. I, I like having a uniform. That's what I want to do with the, some of the money. If I can, again, gas money, maybe I can not work a minimum wage job. And then any money after that would go to seed money to make merchandise. It'd be really, really cool. Um, here's the, another thing that's interesting. Uh, this is really, really important to me. If you donate money to Strong Opinion Sports, if you donate money to me, Zach Schaumler, I want you to know, do it because you like what I've done in the past. Don't donate money to me and expect me to give you special stuff. Don't expect more from me. Uh, it's very cultural on Patreon that you donate money and in return, you're given special perks and special stuff happens. Um, that's not going to happen. If you donate money to Strong Opinion Sports, if you donate money to me, Zach Schaumler, uh, it, makes a, it helps me. It's, it's really good, um, but I... It just helps me keep doing what I'm already doing. I'm not, it's not going to make more content suddenly appear and do more stuff. It just pays for the life I'm living and helps me do that. Um, also, I want to tell you guys something really interesting. You may or may not know, <laughs> um, I love football. I really, really passionately love football. And in fact, I play college football. I'm at a school um, and I, I really might even actually get to play. What that means is as long as I'm playing college football, um, I'm going to take time off of strong opinion sports for spring ball and for my regular season. So a little bit in April and then in uh, September, October, part of November, I'm not going to do, be doing strong opinion sports during those three, uh, two times a year. Um, because that's when I'm playing football and it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm never going to get back and I'm not going to be worried. About, I, I just want to invest in football while I have football. So again, um, Please help me grow by telling your friends about the show. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. If you have no money to give, you can make a huge impact that way. Um, and if you want to donate money, you can donate money to PayPal, paypal.me forward slash Zach Schaumler or patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. It would make a huge impact to me. The links are in the description. And uh, as always, man, thank you so much for watching, listening. It means a lot to me. And uh, I love doing this. It's, it's my passion and my favorite thing in the world. Okay. Um, whew. It's hard. I feel like I'm, I, I, I really, really struggle with self-promotion. It's a weird thing for me. I don't want to ever feel like a used car salesman. And I hate, I just, I, I'm just, I, for whatever reason, I don't know what, and it's not reasonable. Uh, when I talk about myself, I, 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 it's hard for me. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, it, it just is. So let's now talk about the Alliance of American football. A report came out today that the Alliance of American football is in danger of folding. I don't buy it. I, I don't believe it. I think it's a negotiation tactic. Um, the AAF is in disagreement with the NFL Players Association. It's a union disagreement. What that means is the AAF wants the NFL to allow them to be their official minor league. The idea is that NFL players will be sent down from NFL rosters into the AAF so they can play and get development. And the NFL Players Association does not like this. Or maybe it's not even that they don't like it. It might be just the fact that it's not in a contract and that bothers them that they haven't figured out how to do this in writing. Uh, but they're in the middle of negotiations, is my point. And AAF major investor and chairman of the AAF, Tom Dundon, said that one option the Alliance of American Football is considering is discontinuing the league. And a lot of people sent me messages today. Oh, no. Could the league fold? This, that. Um, guys, 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 whoo, slow down. Tom Dundon invested $250 million into the Alliance, right? He's, he gave them five years worth of funding. He's not anytime soon looking to shut down the league. He did not invest five years of funding so that the league could fold and he could give up on the, the dream. 
I believe the reason why he's saying this is so that he can have a negotiation tactic and have leverage when he negotiates with the NFL Players Association. That's all he's doing. He's sending a message. Hey, one of our options is we could close. If you don't want to work with us, we could close everything down. But I do not believe the alliance is planning to fold anytime soon. I think Tom Dundon, Tom Dundon invented far, invent, invested far too much into this for that to happen. And I, I do not believe these reports are, are facts. I think it's I think they're, they're true reports. So I think Tom Dundon did say this. I think Tom Dundon is, I guess, considering it as an option, but that's not going to happen. He's just using, he's saying this as leverage so that he can have a better, easier negotiation with the NFL Players Association. Okay, uh, guys, I'm going to take a short break. I don't feel like myself. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about the Packers free agency. Uh, we're going to talk about Eli Manning. We'll talk about the new pass interference rule in the NFL. And we'll do a great final topic about Rob Gronkowski. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Um, I want to acknowledge the Packers free agent moves they've been making. Because I really, really like what they've been up to. The first move I noticed is they signed Zadarius Smith, an outside linebacker from the Ravens. Gave him a four-year deal worth $66 million and a $20 million signing bonus, meaning that the contract is front-loaded. So as the years go on, the contract gets cheaper and cheaper for the Packers. They also signed Preston Smith, an outside linebacker. Uh, another really good move, a guy who is a really solid uh, starter in the NFL. He gave him a four-year deal, $52 million, and a $16 million signing bonus. Uh, these two contracts are great. They're front-loaded, meaning that they're cheaper later on as the Packers go on in the years. And they got two really, really good pass rushers, Smith and Smith. I love this move. I think it's fantastic. In a division like the NFC North, where the Packers play, and every team has a, a franchise quarterback, you know, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Mitchell Trubisky, getting after the quarterback is really important, and giving Aaron Rodgers, their quarterback, some defensive support is really, really impactful. I love this move. Another move the Packers made was signing... Adrian Amos, a safety from the Bears. They gave him a four-year deal, four-year deal worth $37 million, another front-loaded contract. I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, the Packers have gone out and spent money on their defense. Again, giving Aaron Rodgers some support. And it's like, finally, finally, for years we've been wanting to see Aaron Rodgers get some help, especially from the defensive side of the ball. These are great moves. It's fantastic. They got three new starters on defense. I commend the Packers for spending some money. Spending, I think, some wise money. Again, front-loaded contracts to get cheaper as they go. A lot of the money's in signing bonuses. And they're all three starting players. They're going to make, I think, a big impact on the page, on the Packers' defense. Uh, that's not the only move they made, either. They also signed an offensive lineman, Billy Turner, from the Denver Broncos. He's a solid utility guy. I think it was a four-year deal worth $28 million, about $7 million a year. Um, he's really versatile. He can play all over the line. Uh, I, I like it. Again, the Packers got Aaron Rodgers some help. They got him an offensive lineman. They got some defense to support him. Much needed, and I think it could pay off big time down the road in the future for the Packers. I love what the Packers did in free agency. I haven't talked about it because, again, they're players that are, are solid starters. They're not the most incredible signings. They're not Le'Veon Bell. They're not Antonio Brown. They're not a trade for Odell Beckham Jr. But what the Packers did was subtle and really, really smart, and they improved their defense tremendously with those three moves and helped their offensive line with the fourth. I really like what the Packers have done so far this offseason, and I commend them for their moves. Now, um, I want to reiterate something I said the other day about Eli Manning. I, 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 the other day I talked about Eli Manning. Here's my statement about Eli Manning. Eli Manning is a duct-tape quarterback. What that means is there's three of them in the NFL, about, about three of them. You know, Case Keenum with the Redskins, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick with the Miami Dolphins and Eli Manning with the Giants. 
a duct tape quarterback is a quarterback that's not a long-term solution, but he's good enough for now. He gets the job done for now. I've literally fixed things with duct tape. I was a mechanic for years, uh, for about two years. And um, if your car doesn't have any wheels, you're not really concerned with the fact that something in your engine is being held together with duct tape, right? Having wheels is more important because your car can't even move. Um, I, I think the Giants have decided that they have bigger flaws on their roster other than the quarterback position. They say the quarterback's okay. He's not a great long-term solution, but Eli Manning is good enough for now. I agree with that. I like that. I think his arm's not great. He makes really good decisions, though. He keeps the Giants competitive if they have an offensive line. Eli Manning is a duct tape quarterback. He's not a long-term solution, but he's a, he can bridge the gap for a little while while the P- Giants fix their other problems with their roster. A report came out they're going to probably draft Daniel Jones or Will Greer, or at least the report came out was this, that they're not interested in drafting Dwayne Haskins with the number six overall pick. They'd rather get a quarterback later in the draft. Yep, that's what I would do. I don't think Dwayne Haskins is worthy of the sixth overall pick. And I think that they have much deeper issues than that. The quarterback position, if I were the Giants, that's what I would look to fill. And that sounds like what the Giants are going to do. I think it's the right way to do it. It's a good move. And I really feel good about that. I'm not a Giants fan, but if I was, I'd go, good. Hey, our general manager knows what he's doing. He's not, he's worried about filling the problems we have on the roster and understands that Eli Manning may not be the sexiest, the best quarterback ever, but he's also not the reason why the Giants are losing games. The Giants are doing the right thing right now. I feel good about the direction their franchise is headed, and I commend them for the work they are doing. Uh, The NFL made a big rule change today. Pass interference is now reviewable by NFL officials. And what that means is so if a call is obviously missed, it can be overturned. Uh, This is probably the right move. I guess. I don't know. Um, I think this is an answer and a response directly to the way the Saints lost in the NFC Championship game. They lost to the Rams on a really um, divisive call. It cost the Rams, it cost the Saints a chance to play in the Super Bowl. And I understand. Look, I, again, I think this is, I, I, the word as I would say is, I guess it's the right move. Like, eh. Uh, but you've got to acknowledge it's a slippery slope. Once you introduce penalties to a, a video replay system, it's a really, really slippery slope. Because offensive and passing, offensive and passive, offensive and defensive pass interference is a, they're the only things you can review right now that are penalties. But how long until a holding call is the reason why a team loses a game? And then you have people yelling and screaming saying, we want holding now to be reviewable in the NFL's eyes. Um, I don't want everything in the NFL to be reviewed. I don't want the NFL. I like watching games. I like games going back quickly. I hate sitting through long replay sessions. And that's my fear is it, it, it's a slippery slope where we could end up watching a lot more replays because everything's now reviewable in the future. I don't want that future. That's not what I want. It's not the direction I want the NFL to head into. And so I would say it's a good move to have pass interference be reviewable, but I would proceed with caution and I would warn you it's a slippery slope. Because it seems what it seems like to me is that the NFL caved to an angry mob. People were very angry and upset and the NFL said, oh, we better deal with this. We better please the people. And I think rewarding angry mob mentality behavior is actually really, really dangerous and, and not helpful for the, the, the strength of the league in the future, right? In the end, though, I will say again, having pass interference be replayable, that's a good move. I think that's good. It should be, um, but it's a slippery slope. It, uh, you don't want other things to creep into also being replayed. Um, so look, you don't want teams to be screwed over. I think the Saints got screwed out of the Super Bowl. They deserve to have a chance. Um, but also, again, you know, the Saints had multiple opportunities after that play happened to try and stop, uh, to try and win the game. They didn't take advantage of that. So I don't know. I think this move could help us avoid what happened to the Saints. 
but I think also people overblow it a little bit and uh, are are very much um, there's a mob mentality going on. And I just I again I want to caution when you bow to the mob, when you bow to people who are angry and give them what they want, uh, it's mm, it's not always the right right. We don't want everything every penalty in the NFL to be able to be reviewed by NFL officials. And that's the slippery slope that I caution people. I don't want to go down. So one is good. Two, three, four, five things getting reviewed in the future. That's not what I want. So for now, it's good. But keep your eye on it. It's a slippery slope. And if we start adding other things to the review list, uh, it may not be a good thing for the NFL. Also, it's worth noting, you know, I keep seeing headlines like how Sean Payton, the Saints head coach, deals with losing the way they lost. How he copes with the loss. And I, I just look at these headlines and go, mm, dude, it's March. It is March 27th, 2019. The Super Bowl is almost two months ago now. I hate to be that guy, but move on. Sean Payton, move on with your life. Get over, flush it, get over with. You know what Bill Belichick would be saying? If Bill Belichick had lost that way, he would be doing interviews right now saying, we're on to Cincinnati or whatever the hell, whatever the first game is. He'd be, we're on to blank. We're on to the next game. And I think Sean Payton needs to be very careful and move on from the what happened in that NFC Championship game and, and not be distracted by it. Because if he if he lingers on this too long, it could become a distraction for next season. And I want to point out one more time, the Saints had two opportunities to win that game after the pass interference penalty happened. They kicked a field goal. They could have played better defense. They didn't. They gave up a field goal. And then in, in overtime, the Saints were handed a gift. The Saints were given the ball first in overtime. They threw an interception. They lost because of it. The Saints had multiple opportunities to win that game after the pass interference call was made. And I really think the Saints are dwelling on something that is cancerous and a problem. And they got to just move on. Flush it. Move on. Worry about next season. Stop complaining about the way you lost last year. It's over. And you got to just move on from it. That's my cautionary tale. This whole pass interference thing, you know, the slippery slope and Sean Payton being consistently consumed by it. I, I really think he's got to move on and get on with his life and start worrying about next year and stop complaining about the call that was missed in last year's season. Flush it. Move on with your life. I don't worry about my ex-girlfriends and you shouldn't worry about your old games. Worry about the current relationship you're in right now. Worry about what the task that is at hand. You can't spend too much time worrying about the past. Get over it. Move on. There's more stuff ahead you got to deal with. And that's what Sean Payton doesn't seem to be doing. He seems to be dwelling very heavily on this game. And again, it could become a distraction down the road for the Saints organization. Final topic of the day. Rob Gronkowski uh, is a, I don't know how to, how do I do this justice? Uh, Rob Gronkowski, the former Patriots tight end, has retired after nine seasons in the NFL. He's 29 years old. And um, look, I think every show must be talking about the debate, you know, is Rob Gronkowski the greatest tight end of all time? And a bunch of BS, I I just don't think it matters. I I don't care about any of that. Um, I want to take a moment to appreciate Rob Gronkowski, appreciate what he's done. He played nine seasons in the NFL, 115 games, had multiple surgeries, had 7,861 yards receiving, 79 touchdowns. I'll be honest, I kind of wish that was 10 fewer, 79 minus 10, do the math. Would have been a lot more fun to talk about. Um, he had 521 catches as a tight end, and he won three Super Bowls. Man, the whole experience watching Rob Gronkowski, who he was as a player, um, all of it was fun to me. I really, really just appreciate I want to take a moment. We'll pause, we'll clap, and we will say, 
Thank you, Rob Gronkowski, for all the contributions you gave to the NFL. So thank you, Rob Gronkowski. Thank you so much. Um, I, I'm so grateful for what you did. And um, I, I just don't think enough people are taking the moment to pause and appreciate what he did for the NFL. It was a fun ride. He was entertaining. He was goofy. He was really talented. And uh, instead of debating whether he's the greatest of all time, give it two weeks at the very least. Let's celebrate what he's done right now. Another you know, talking point that's come up about Rob Gronkowski is uh, what's next for him. So I love, I love Rob Gronkowski's personality. I think he's fantastic and he's interesting. Uh, some people sent me messages on Instagram suggesting that he do Monday Night Football. Uh, no, I, I don't think I want him to do Monday Night Football. That's not where I want to see Rob Gronkowski. I would rather see Rob Gronkowski doing his own show, being you know a show, a studio show where he can be goofy and silly. Maybe he recaps what happened last week in the NFL, something like that. Maybe a Sunday night show. I don't know. Um, but may, maybe he does the WWE. Maybe he does. Uh, he's an actor and does movies in Hollywood. Um, and maybe the guy. We all are speculating what Rob Gronkowski is going to do next. A TV show, WWE, an actor. Maybe the guy just wants to go lay on the beach and be left alone. It's very possible. Rob Gronkowski says, I have millions and millions of dollars. I'm going away forever. Goodbye. I'm gone. Uh, I think either way, as a fan, I just think it's important to acknowledge. I really appreciate what Rob Gronkowski did. It was fun to watch in these last nine seasons. And again, again, thank you, Rob Gronkowski. Thank you so very much for your contributions to the NFL. You did an incredible job. Uh, I think the surgeries, I don't know how many surgeries you had. You got injured a lot and you got a lot of work done on your body uh, by the knife. And Rob Gronkowski, the surgeries, I I, I should go find the number. I wish I had. Um, That's what's most impressive is the way he got his body beat up and he kept fighting and he kept going and he kept going and he kept helping Tom Brady. Uh, Man, uh, Rob Gronkowski, again, thank you for your service. And as a fan of football, Thank you for your contributions to the NFL. You might be the greatest of all time. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't really care. All I care about is your career was fantastic. And I'm very appreciative of your contributions to the game of football. Guys, that is all I have. Um, Thank you so much for watching. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you guys. Um, All the stuff I talked about today was uh, a lot of effort. This show is a, we're at an, on the recording, by the way, if you know this, I'm at an hour 51 on the recording timer. I'm going to cut it down to probably an hour. Um, I just want to say thank you so, so much. A lot of, I take breaks and I walk around, I go to the bathroom and I get water and, you know, I say, I'm going to take a short break. I'll be right back. But, uh, this show is my favorite thing in the world. It's really my, it consumes my entire life and I love it. Um, and I just want to say thank you so, so very much for tuning in. It means the world to me. Um, if you want to donate money on Patreon or PayPal, it's paypal.me forward slash Zach Schaumler, patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. I don't, if you don't, please just help me grow by telling your friends about the show. My name is Zach Schaumler, but I'm bum, bam, we are done. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is my podcast, Strong Opinion Sports. It is my favorite thing in the entire world. And I, I want to I ask for your help. I want this show to grow. I want more people to watch and more people to listen to this podcast. My dream is to do this show as my full-time job. I want to own it myself. I want to do it on the internet and have complete control. I don't want to do it for CBS or ESPN. I don't want to work for a big network. I want to own it myself. And if you believe in that dream, please do me a huge favor Help me grow by telling your friends about this podcast. Share it on Facebook, share a link on Twitter. Maybe you screenshot it, put it on Instagram. I, I, I don't have a marketing strategy beyond this. This is all I have. You know, a lot of people, one of the most common comments I get on YouTube is, you have great content. We love your stuff. You deserve more viewers. What you should do is you should buy ad spaces on Facebook or Twitter or promote yourself and buy, buy, revenue, like buy ads. I have no money. 
I am a broke college kid. I, I can't buy ad spaces. I, 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 don't have, I don't have money to pay for books. And so my plan, this is my marketing plan. This is my strategy. All I plan to do is put every ounce of effort I have into making the very best podcast I can. I believe if I make a great product that people believe in, that people like, then they will share it with their friends. And so if you agree with that, if you believe in this show, if you like what I do, please do me a huge favor. Tell your friends about it. Help me grow by telling your friends about this podcast.